0: presented by AT&T connecting changes everything welcome into long shots the world's number 1 rated golf betting show here on visioninvision.com VEASAN the sports betting network i'm brady cannon along with Matt Eumanns and Wes Reynolds as we have another edition of Long Shots where we will feature a guest and go through the entire breakdown of this week's tournament on the PGA Tour. We do the extended version of Long Shots because it's our second straight week here where the PGA Tour is in our backyard of Las Vegas, Nevada. And the first leg of the Las Vegas Double Dip went to Sun J.M. at TPC Summerlin winning the Shriners Children's Open. By shooting a 62 on Sunday and earning his second career PGA Tour victory, I tell you, Wes, it's tough to beat a nine-under par round on a Sunday.
3: Yeah, Sunday Sunjay, as they call him, because he had five straight birdies on holes nine through 13, and we thought our Matthew Wolf tickets were live, Brady, because he had been tied for the lead, and he was in the final pairing, of course, with Adam Shank, and he was hanging in there, and then all of a sudden, Sunjay M. just went nuts and shot a Sunday 62 second career PGA Tour victory. He won on the tour in his 50th start at the uh, Arnold Palmer, and then in his 100th start here at the Shriners at TPC Summerlin.
0: Not too shabby for Sun
2: J.M. I know, Matt, you uh,
0: jumped in in-game on Louis Ustazen.
2: No, I bet him before the tournament. Oh, okay. Uh, he was on my short list. You played him last week. I thought he would be worth a shot. He was in a running again, but uh, Louie just didn't find a win column over here in uh, the U.S. Maybe this week. Maybe this week he can do it at the summer club. He played well last week. Yeah, just he did. Uh, Sun J.M. set a uh, pace that was hard uh, for many guys to keep up with. Brady, how's it feel to be a bridesmaid? Oh, my goodness. Uh, the trend continues. I mean, it goes back
0: about three months now where I've had guys with the 54-hole lead, the 36-hole lead, the back nine on Sunday with the lead, and it continued for both Wes and I this week at the Shriners. Matthew Wolf at 50-1. to And, hey, like I said, it's pretty tough to beat a nine-under par round on Sunday. The highest finish by a local Las Vegas was Aaron Wise, the former Oregon Duck. He notched a top-10 finish tying for eighth at 17 under par the second half of the las vegas swing takes place this week at the summit club it'll be the first ever pga tour event held by the summit club it is located southwest of last week's venue tpc Summerlin, further up into the red rock mountains and to help us break it down We're going to bring in our man, Patrick Ramsey. He is the former CEO of Multimedia Games. He now serves on the board of a number of gaming companies, including Aristocrat and Simple Bet. He's a high school wrestling coach here in Las Vegas, and he also caddies for his teenage daughter. Patrick lives on the course and is one of the very first original members of the Summit Club. Patrick, thank you very much for joining the program. We appreciate your time. And... You well know the Summit Club is a very exclusive private club that very few people have seen or even have the opportunity to play but uh, I was lucky enough to play it once I do have some familiarity with the pro- with the course but uh, you have probably played this track really more so than just about anybody in the world. And as far as what we know about this place, we know it's a Tom Fazio design. What can you tell us about it? How it plays? What type of player you think it favors? Will the Bombers bang their way around this place? Or do you think it might be more of a shot maker's course and put an emphasis on putting and short game? What type of game do you believe is best suited for the summit?
1: Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, it, the, the the course is it's another spectacular development by the discovery land company um, I think it's almost exactly four years ago um, that it opened up and I believe it was October of 2017 um, so it's been a real it's, it's been a great uh, place to live and of course play a lot of golf as you mentioned uh, I put in uh, I put in a number of rounds I'm no golf expert but I'll give you give you my thoughts I mean it, it, it's a true desert course right uh, a little bit different from what you saw last uh, week over at TPC Summerlin it's um, a true desert I meaning you, you know you're off the side you're off the um, some of these areas you're in rocks and you gotta uh, you got to work your way out of there uh, there you know there won't be a lot of trees blocking any any uh, shots um, there's some spectacular views and it's in just incredible condition right now it's just out there um, checking it out so I think a, a couple key factors maybe this week it's probably um, most weeks here in Las Vegas um, the, um, winds, you know, we sit in the valley and as you mentioned earlier, we're close to red rock and, uh, the winds can be a factor. Although looking ahead at my, uh, my golf weather app, I see really good, uh, conditions coming. I think Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the first, the highest, uh, wind, wind I saw was about eight miles an hour, which is fantastic. So we're in for a really good four days. I think another factor here are the greens. You know, they're, they're, um, they're an incredible condition. I've, I've had some guests out here, some, some golfers and some caddies. I remember Tim Tucker, the Bryson's former caddy, when he came out and played with me pretty soon after the masters, actually, he was blown away at the greens, how perfect they were. Um, told me they were some of the best that they play in the world. So, um, you know, I think those are, those are a couple of key points here. As far as who it favors, you know, like I said, I'm no golf expert. I'm a, I'm a 10. I like to hack it up. I, If I get crazy, I play from the twos, Uh, but I'll play from the three tees. (laughs) So um, I'll give you my thoughts. I mean, I think uh, long drivers in general, they seem, you know, in in a course, they have an advantage, but if if you ask me, I think maybe accuracy is more important than distance this week. So those who are uh, putting it down the middle more often and rather than getting the extra 10 or 20 yards, I think it probably favors them. And as I mentioned, I think uh, putting is going to be key um the they there are some twists and turns out there that the red rock uh uh, uh, that the ridge and the mountains produce and that the strip kind of produces as well so um look all these guys are out here practicing now they're with where they're with their their teams and their caddies and they're figuring it out but um the greens are going to be key
3: And as Patrick mentioned, about a 7,400-yard course, Brady. But it's going to play a little bit shorter because of the elevation changes. And it's going to be a home game for a couple players, actually, this week. And one of the shorter prices on the board is one, Colin Marikawa, who is a member at the Summit Club, like Patrick is. Patrick, how do you approach him? You probably see him around the property a fair amount of times. How do you approach him from the betting perspective? He's one of the best players in the world. But obviously, the price is going to indicate that that's going to be baked into the cake and I've seen him as high as 16 to one this week.
1: Well, I, I need to come clean on that because, uh, my daughter, that 13 year old uh, emerging golfer daughter, she's a big Colin Morikawa fan. Um, there's a, there's a, good reason for that. Whenever you see him around here, he's a true gentleman. He's a great guy to have around, um, great role model in the sport. So, um, you know, regardless of the odds, I just like him, And so I'm a, I'm a Morikawa fan. Um, I think uh, I think he's got a, a great shot of winning it. I um, and you'll see my daughter as soon as she gets home from school today. She and I will be putting up a 20 foot long banner that's his team Morikawa. So I'm biased, <laughs> um, but when it comes to the odds, I think uh, you know the way I was trying to frame it up. I'm 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 a big fan of um, uh, MMA, and I was thinking uh, I think at the time when Holly Holm fought uh, Ronda Rousey, she was about a 14 to one underdog, mm-hmm. and uh, when I think. Uh, you know, look what she did, and and how that she pulled off that upset. I love Morikawa at fourteen to one. I think he's uh, he's playing really well. He loves this course. He knows his course, and um, he's got a lot of support um, over here. So, uh, I I think it's a I, I think it's a good bet.
2: I like it. It's a sixteen to one right now at Circus Sports and DraftKings, by the way. And I played uh, Morikawa this week in a matchup over Shoffley. Played him uh, top ten. And uh, I think he's going to play well out there too, Patrick. How about Maverick McNeely, a guy I bet last week at TPC Summerlin, did not play that well last week. And uh, you, can get big, you can get a big number on him this week around 60-1. to He has uh, shot a better score than Morikawa here. He's got a 61 on this course at the Summit. Morikawa shot a 62. How confident would you be in a player like Maverick McNeely this week? And uh, do, you, do you feel like it's a home game for him as well or not so much?
1: yeah of course it is you know yeah. um, like, like you mentioned when you open it's, a, it's an exclusive course, hasn't gotten a lot of press, you know, a lot of play from the outside. Maverick and Colin are two guys who play all the time and, and I, I believe Maverick may even have the course record. It might be the score you just referred to. So I you know look at 50 or 60 to one odds, it seems like a great deal. I think Maverick is is going to show us a, a very different week than he showed last week.
0: Patrick, we have some other Tom Fazio designs in Las Vegas, uh, Shadow Creek, Wind Golf Club, and then also Prim Valley down at the state line. Do you feel there are some similarities between these other Fazio designs in town to the Summit Club? And would you go back to last year's version of the CJ Cup, uh, of course, at Shadow Creek, another Fazio design? Would you think there's maybe some correlation there where you look at that leaderboard who played well at Shadow Creek and you figure those guys will do well again this week at the Summit Club?
1: Well, I'd say in terms of similarities between them, uh, there are some, one is they're all beautiful courses. Tom Fazio obviously knows how to design a course. Um, I, you know, one thing I like as an amateur golfer, a struggling amateur golfer working on my game, you know, I love playing his courses because I, I, they, they, when I get up the hole, I always think, you know, it looks like a reasonable hole to play. And then I find it's a challenge to score on. I think that's a, that's just a really interesting sort of part of his design um, uh, in terms of your question about last year, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of, um, similarities between shadow and summit other than, like I said, both being just fantastic golf courses here in the Valley. Um, but they play really different, you know, summit, you know, you're in Las Vegas and you're in the desert and I'd say shadow Creek, um, man, it, it just feels like you're, you're uh, sometimes I feel like I'm in North Carolina while yes. playing in shadow Creek. And it's just absolutely perfect there as well. So, but they're really different. So I don't, I don't, I just don't, I don't think we'll see any correlation between performance last year at the CJ Cup and this year.
3: So, Patrick, in terms of the nuances of this course, the greens are high up on that west side of town where Summit Club sits. And usually it seems like they break away from the mountains and funnel toward the Las Vegas Strip. And you know this course, even though you say you're just a 10 handicap, that's pretty good on this course, though. But uh, any other nuggets of information or something maybe that the viewers and the listeners will find out once they watch this tournament?
1: yeah, that's uh, a great question. You know, when I, when I really I think about it, I'm, again, i'm I'm um, approaching this from a different perspective. i I think if i'm if I'm out there trying to see, you know see how people are performing and looking at some key areas of the course, I would keep a close eye on how they perform, you know, sort of holes ten to thirteen. Um, There's very interesting holes ten is a long par four. It's pretty straightforward down towards the valley. Um, that should be a pretty straightforward hole, but then they turn it, then they get down to 11. It's so the longest part three on the course. It really does feel like an Island green. It's a challenge, to, especially depending on the, the position of the pin. Um, that's going to be a, a really key hole, uh, for people. And then they turn to 12, 12 was a short par four. I think, um, you're going to see some aggressive drivers going forward, probably going for the right edge of that green. Um, and that could, you know, it's a high risk, high reward. Uh, there's also a huge kind of sort of a ridge in that green that goes from right to left. And I, I, I think we're going to see some interesting plays on hole 12. Uh, and then you get the 13. It's a gorgeous par four uh, with a little bit of trouble. There's a creek that runs through it. There's water. It is a tough hole. It's a very tough hole for somebody like me. So I'm really curious to see how they play that from the tee and uh, how far they can drive it up and what kind of approach they have over that creek. Um, to get in to, to score. So I think if I'm looking ahead, I'm going to watch 10-13 through pretty pretty carefully and see how these guys play it.
0: Some good in-game betting advice right there. Check out holes 10-13, through 13, see if you can derive any conclusions from how these guys play those four holes right there. Patrick, you're no stranger to an odds board. Of course, you're a longtime veteran of the gaming industry. Looking at this field and the prices on each player to win it, who would be your foursome, your top four picks, to win the CJ Cup at the Summit Club?
1: man that's a tough one what a field um, we have here right um so i'm gonna i, I think i'd break it up into categories At anything kind of less than 20 to one uh i gotta go with our our home our hometown uh boy colin morikawa right my daughter would kill me if i didn't say that so <laughs> uh i think colin is, i think colin in that category sort of among the top 10 in there is a great bet um he'd be in my foursome i gotta tell you i like uh in that next grouping, maybe in the 20 to 50 times return. I, I like Sam Burns. Uh, he's been on fire recently, even though the LSU football team is in, uh, isn't so great right now at three and three. I think um, I think he's on fire. He was uh, just in the first couple of events, he's number one, I think, in greens and regulation. Last year, he was number nine in putting. I think he has played this course before. In fact, I had the uh, real honor of taking him out a couple years ago. And um, so he has a little bit of course knowledge. I, I really like him. I just think he's been hot lately. Um, in that same category, I'd go Maverick McNeely, of course. Uh, I think Colin, Sam, Maverick, those are all some good, good value, good plays. And if I'm going on a long shot, I'm trying to think my fourth. Uh, I'd go. I like. Uh, if you got a little extra South African rand in your pocket. I'd go Schwartzel. I like Schwartzel. I think you guys have him 100, or the board's have him 150 to one, or something like that. Uh, last year, when I, when I really think about how this is going to play, I think there's going to be key putts in the 10 to 15 foot range. I was looking at the, you know, who, who, who does well in that range last year. Schwartzel was tied for ninth, making 37% of his putts in the 10 to 15 foot foot range. I like that. I think there's going to be a lot of guys approaching the greens and sticking it pretty close. And that's going to be a key range. I like Schwartzel a lot. He's got a great caddy on the bag and my, my, my new friend chart from last week's pro am. And um, uh, I think if he gets his driver to really dial, get get that dialed in and gets accurate, he's a great value bet. So I, my foursomes, Colin, Sam, Maverick, and, and Charlie.
0: Terrific stuff, Patrick. Thank you so much for joining us here on Long Shots. And you enjoy the CJ Cup at your home course there, my friend. Thanks again.
1: All right. Thanks for having me on, guys.
0: All right, that is Patrick Ramsey, uh, one of the original members out there at the Summit Club, and I thought that was uh, you know, some pretty good knowledge, and he you know, admits he's not a necessarily a golf expert. He's an avid golf player, uh-huh. and I wanted to bring him on because he was able to provide some insight to this course, and I thought that was interesting what he had to
2: say about holes 10 through 13. Well, no question, because we don't know anything about this course. So you yeah. talk to someone who's played it and who knows, uh, knows betting and knows these players, and uh, I think that's valuable information. So, you know, you're sometimes going in blind in tournaments like this. Any information you can pick up is going to be valuable, and that's why I think Colin Morikawa has such an edge out here this week. The guy, this is his home course. It's a home game for him. And sometimes you say, well, home games can backfire because there can be pressure on that player. There's not going to be that many fans out there this week. I don't think there's any pressure whatsoever. This is a guy who's won majors. You think he's going to feel pressure at the CJ Cup at Summit Club because he's got some friends and family hanging around? Heck no. That's why I think Colin Murakawa should go in this, into this week with extreme confidence, thing that he's the guy to beat. I think he is the guy to beat out here.
3: Yeah, and, and that's Pat- why. Go, Go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. That's why
2: I think sixteen to one is a pretty good price.
3: And Patrick, I think rightfully pointed out this is not a, Even though they're both Fazio, Fazio designs, Shadow Creek is like a North Carolina golf yes, course. As Monty course. Montgomery, the GM of Shadow Creek, he was in here with us last year, previewing the event at Shadow. It is very much like you slice a piece of North Carolina and put it in the middle of North Las Vegas. This is more of a true desert course. That's why I thought you could have looked at the Fazio designs, but also look at some of the other desert courses on PGA. Tour TPC Scottsdale where you guys were at Uh several weeks ago. The stadium course at PGA West which is uh, the American Express, the old Bob Hope event. I think you're going to see a lot of similarities with those courses.
0: I've played both the Summit Club and Shadow Creek and I think there are some...
2: What a a bragging.
0: (laughs) Wow. I think there are some similarities in the design I because it's Fasio and
2: Pebble beach. No, what I mean, else would you played? You've huh? played Pebble. I have not. So.
0: <laughs> um, I think there are some similarities just because it's Fasio. You're going to see some, some of the same characteristics, but you're right. The summit club is not tree lined like shadow yeah. is. Um, I think the green speeds and the green conditions will be similar. The bunkering is similar. I think you can draw some conclusions, but I think you're right. Patrick, you know, States for the most part, the courses are very dissimilar. And, uh, I, I, I kind of agree with that. I wouldn't put my entire basket of eggs as far as a handicap just correlating Shadow Creek and the Summit Club. I think you will see some different results. All right. Brady, let's,
2: since go you're, you're part of society's elite, I want to ask you uh, <laughs> about this. What does what it take really to become a member of the Summit Club? Oh Do you goodness. have to live
0: on the course? Well, that's part of it. Um, The company, I believe, is called Discovery, and uh, they own and operate golf courses around the world, very, very exclusive clubs. And I believe their business model is such where you buy uh, a lot that is on the course and then that includes a membership. And these lots, from what I understand, when I was out there playing and learning about, you know, what goes on out there, these lots are anywhere from a million to over $10 million just for the lot.
2: You get paid a lot to host the shot Show, don't
0: you? yeah, Yeah, yeah.
3: You know, some names live out there, too. Celine Dion, the very busy Las Vegas Raiders owner, Mark Davis, also lives out there at the Summit Club.
0: I was lucky enough actually actually, to play it very early on in, mm-hmm. in its uh, inception when they were having Golf Digest writers out there to preview the course. And uh, I got out there, you know, with my golf tee times company and whatnot. Uh, but that has since been cut off. You now have to be with a member. Uh, that introductory period is over. So, again, I was fortunate to be out there for that but uh, that has gone away and it's members only out there at the Summit Club and I guess you guys are both going to go up there and take a look I absolutely encourage it it's gorgeous up there
2: yeah Wes has talked about that he says it's nestled up there in the Red Rock Mountains and um, I'm looking forward to seeing it this week because I am going to try to go out there for Friday's round I mean that's you're not going to get many chances to go out and uh, see this course. And this is an elite field. I think, Wes, you said 24 of the top 24 30? 24
3: of the top 30 yeah. in the official World Golf Rankings
2: are in attendance. It's this $50 week. for a ticket. Why not? Go yeah. out and walk the course, and uh, I'm going
0: to go out and check it out Friday. I can tell you, it's some of the best scenery I have ever seen at a golf course here in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So definitely worth the 50 bucks to get out there and take a look. And like you said, what a tremendous field. You're going to get to see some of the best players in the world, a lot of them. All right, uh, Wes, let's take a look at your breakdown of the European Tour event this week, the Andalusia Masters at the Real Club Valderrama in Spain.
3: Yeah, second of three straight weeks in Spain, and by the way, the first event last week, the Open de España at Madrid, was won by a Spaniard, Rafael Carrera Bello, who has not won since July 2017 at the Scottish Open. All Spaniard playoff, and RCB gets it done over Audrey Arnos and uh, gets back in the winner's circle. RCB, by the way, in this week's field also at 33-1. Same song, different verse when you look at the top of the leaderboard, John Rahm at three to one is going to be the favorite this week at Valderrama. Matt Fitz, it's basically almost the same field, kind of at the at the top. But Matt Fitzpatrick, twelve to one, does return to competitive play after that winless Ryder Cup three weeks ago. So uh you look at uh, Valderrama is considered really one of the great courses in the world. There's a lot of history here. Remember, it hosted the Ryder Cup. It has hosted a WGC event before, so it is back in September for the 2021. 2021- schedule Robert Trent Jones is a designer here 1975 it only measures about 7,000 yards for this par 71 Bermuda fairways bent grass greens very narrow fairways and very tiny greens too so this isn't something that's going to be like a birdie fest where you're going to shoot 20 under or something like that rough's not that challenging but you got a lot of trees on the layout so you may have to chop into the fairway if you hit errant tee shots also pay attention to the weather here if the wind blows the scores are going to to be high we saw it last year in 2020 john catlin was the winner of this event at 125 to one he was two over par 286 was the winning score in this event last year by one over martin keimer so nobody was able to break level par in this event last year because the winds were blowing so uh ended up on a few and i'll be brief here thomas peters 33 to one he's been consistent in 2021 he's made making cuts 15 and 18 events nine top 20s in those 18 events third on the European tour T to green. And yet this guy doesn't win at all, but I'm going to go back for seconds on him at 33 to one. I'm going to try to beat the favorite John Rahm, which is always a risky proposition, but at three to one, you've got no choice. If you're going to play it, I think you got to try to beat him. Aaron Rye 40 to one got his PGA tour card at the KFT final several weeks ago, but then missed the cut on his three false starts on the PGA tour. So I think going back to Europe may jumpstart the guy and kind of get ready for that race to Dubai. That's going to happen. In November, uh, really accurate hitter, really good in greens and regulation. You don't have to be long to win here, and I think accuracy and hitting greens is going to be rewarded. Beef Johnston, Andrew Johnston, at 41 to 1, won on this course back in 2016, and that was an event where the wind blew. It was actually the Open Day España was played on this course, and he won at one over par, and he's been fourth on Spanish soil already this season at the Canary Islands Championship. It was his best finish of the season. Been playing better lately. He was sixth at the BMW PGA at Wentworth a few weeks ago, so Andrew Johnston has a lot of experience here. I thought he was worth a stab. Adrian Otegi, another Spaniard 50-1, to was 17th at, in Madrid last week, but he was fourth in strokes gained approach. This Valderrama, I think, is more suited for a guy like Adrian Otegi because I think you got to re- be really Good with your driver at the previous week's event. Not so much here, you just got to be a little more accurate, and that probably is going to go the same for another Spaniard, Pablo Lara 80 to 1, 20th in Madrid eighth last month in Italy. He's starting to play a little bit better. He's won several times on the European Tour, and really his strength is around the green and the scrambling. He's 12th in scrambling on the season, so you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to like grind out a lot of pars on this course. And then the final one, another young Spaniard who's been sharing up the Challenge Tour. I was on him last week, Santiago Torrio at 100-1. to Finished 24th, but shorter, tighter course here I think is probably a better fit. He doesn't lose as much ground because he loses a little bit of length on the tee. He was third in the field last week for strokes gained around the green, and that's kind of been a recipe here, at least in recency with uh, Catlin, who was the winner here last year, was second in the field in that category, and the 2019 winner, Christian Bezadenhut, led the field in scrambling and also in strokes gained around the green, so maybe Torrio can fit that recipe.
0: I like your pick on Aaron Rye. I think this guy mm-hmm. is absolutely an up-and-comer on the world stage of golf, and we saw him uh, in a couple of majors here last year, and I think this guy is is on the rise, I think 40 to one is a pretty good price and a relatively watered downfield.
3: Yeah, it absolutely is. And uh, and because they're getting ready eventually to get that race to Dubai next month in November. So look, a lot of the European players though are playing in the CJ Cup last week. Only John Ron, really, of the elite players, is electing to play a home game in Spain. Mm-hmm. Let's take
0: a look at the match number five. It'll be Bryson DeChambeau against Brooks Kepka right here in Las Vegas at the Wynn Golf Club. It'll take place on Friday, November twenty sixth, the day after Thanksgiving. And Matt, I wonder what your opinion on on this uh, match is between, uh, I, I guess, former foes that have kind of kissed and made up, and I really applaud them for that. Uh, you know, the proceeds will go to charity. We saw after the Ryder Cup, they were selling merchandise for charity, so it's nice that these guys have been able to take kind of an ugly situation and turn it into a positive, and I think it'll be fun to watch them play a match on the day after Thanksgiving. Currently at the Westgate Superbook, it is a pick 'em Kepka minus at minus 110 versus
3: deshambo also at minus 110. And Matt, you accuse me of being the Romantic I on know. this program here long shot. I didn't
2: realize Brady was gonna get sappy and start
1: crying during today's show. I'm
3: like, I'm the one that's the that's the romantic and the softy on this one. Well,
2: Where are you I'm going? I'm not sure if I take all this for face value. Do you think these guys are friends, Wes? I, you like to get into the soap opera angle. Is this made for TV, uh, made for TV friendship because they can benefit off this? Uh, from a business I, perspective?
3: I will go back to what I always say. Everything is pro wrestling. And this is absolutely this is absolutely pro wrestling because I think these guys finally figured out, like pro wrestlers do, hey, we can work an angle, we can work a storyline here and work the marks and get them to buy in because yeah. we the fans, we're the marks that buy into this thing. So, you know, DeShambo and Kepka at the wind golf club, by the way, in Las Vegas the day after Thanksgiving. By the way, another Tom Fozzier yes. design here in Las Vegas.
2: Another one I've played, Matt. You know, it's <laughs> Brady, you played all over the world at the finest golf courses on the planet. Uh, I will say that Kepka is not a guy I was looking to play this week at, at the CJ Cup because I know when he he loves to play blackjack. Oh. All right. So he, he's a gambler. And I think one reason Kepka wants to come to Vegas and play these tournaments and play this match is he likes to take the trip. And he, I think he's staying over at the win. He's hitting the high limit blackjack tables. I don't think he really cares that much about the golf necessarily in terms of uh, winning this week which is why I didn't look to play him in any matchups or on the futures board um, I do think he wants to beat Bryson yeah. a- in the match and he's going to be motivated for that I also think uh, I don't know about you guys it seems like kepka has been humbled a little bit this year because he- he's a guy who talks a lot of trash he's hes bold he has not played well he's mm-hmm. had a bad year and um, he's blown up on Sunday in a couple majors in the past year too so I think maybe uh, Kepka might be a little bit humbled. That's the guy I'm looking at, maybe targeting more for 2022 uh, to make a big comeback. I like him a little bit in the match against Bryson, but again, Brady, you played the win course. I think it's a very short course. Yeah. Yeah, they're only playing 12 holes, and by the way. They're only going to play 12 yeah. holes that day. So it's kind of a tricked-up contest. Yeah, to, uh,
3: these guys that, are going to yeah. be trying to drive greens yeah. because it's not a very long course when you compare it to the other courses that right. are pro-level, you would say, here in Las Vegas. All right, let's get to our plays for the CJ
0: Cup. Matt, I will start with you. I believe uh, not only some futures bets, but you also have uh, some prop bets as well on the card I do. This I week. think
2: this is going to be a birdie fest out there this week. And if the weather were a little bit better, I think the scores would be even lower. But it's a little bit wind a little colder out there. And, uh, Brady, you live up there uh, around the Red Rock uh, Mountains. It gets a little windier up there, I think, sometimes. So we'll see if the wind impacts the score. But Colin Murakawa is a home game for the guy. I think he should be the favorite in this tournament because of his knowledge of the course. Why not? I'll, I'll play him. Again, he's at 16-1 to 1 right now at Circa. Anything around 15, 16-1 I think is a fair price. Louis Ooste and played well last week at TPC Summerlin. Uh, why not play him again this week? Thirty to one. Mark Leishman. I talked to somebody who was out of uh, Summerlin last week and said nobody on the course was hitting his irons with more precision than Mark Leishman last week. He had he's a great al- final round. Yeah, he's also a very good wind player. Yes, uh, forty six to one. Maverick McNeely again, a home game. Not one of my favorite players. He bombed last week, but I'll I'll, I'll take McNeely on one more shot here because he did fire a sixty one on this course. So how about sixty five to one on Maverick? Aaron Wise, another local guy who uh, he played at Oregon, right, Wes? I think yeah, he's a yeah. former duck. Top 10 last week, 17 under, 72 to 1. That's a good number on a guy who should be in contention. And big Harry Higgs, why not? He plays well at some of these West Coast courses like Pebble Beach, Torrey Pines. I'm just, I was looking for a bomb. I said, we don't know anything about this course. The players are learning it for the first time. Why not look for a deep, long shot? Harry Higgs, top 30 last week at TPC Summerlin at 12 under. I played him at 250 to 1 today. Uh, if he hits a 250 to 1, I got a good story to tell, too. Colin Morikawa, top 10, plus 250. Uh, the winning score under 267.5 at minus 110. I believe that would put the winning score 21, at 21 under. under. Yep. Yeah. And uh, matchups, I played Morikawa, plus 110 over Xander Shoffley. Wes, your picks?
3: Yeah, we're, Matt and I are on a couple here, and I went with the, the local uh, Colin Marikawa here at 16 1. And I know he has not really been in great form since he became the champion golfer of the year at Royal St. George for his second major this summer, but go to the Ryder Cup. And he went 3 0 1 in his Ryder Cup matches. He played, so he played four total matches he actually shot on his own ball 18 under par through just 66 holes of those four wow. matches at Whistling Straits. He was the best of the 24 players at the Ryder Cup in terms of birdie or better conversion rate, which is a stat I looked at this week. He was 39% at the Ryder Cup. So while you're not seeing good tournament form since he won the Claret Jog, I think he's sitting on one here. And I think being a local and being that this is your practice facility during your off weeks, I know I know it like seems too easy and usually those best laid plans go awry but i think it just made too much sense and i thought 16 to 1 was actually fair the fact he wasn't the favorite this week dustin johnson and justin thomas were so 16 to 1 i thought was very fair victor hovland 28 to 1 Last week, he finished T-44 at, at the Shriners over at TPC Summerlin. Not great, but you got to break down the numbers here. He was number one in the field for strokes gained off the tee. He was eighth in the field for approach. But why did he finish 44th place, you ask? He lost 8.9 shots around the greens wow. last week. That is, that is abysmal. He just and really
0: had one bad round, didn't yeah, he?
3: Yeah, yeah. Shot and like
0: 73 he, one day or we something. We know
3: that that's like his weakness is his chipping and his putting. But it's not that weak on a week-to-week basis. So look, unlike all the players ahead of him on the odds board, except for Sam Burns, who finished T14 at TPC Summerlin last week, back to back for Victor Hovland in Las Vegas. And I think that maybe could be an advantage, being used to the weather and just having some reps. Some of these guys are playing their first events ever since the Ryder Cup, the DJs, the Justin Thomases, the Rory McIlroys. These guys have not played yet. And Victor Hovland has gotten back out there. Terrell Hatton, 45 to one. Speaking of a guy that did play immediately after the Ryder cup. And it's like, I don't know how he's going to play. Well, what he did is went back to Europe and finished runner up at the Alfred Dunhill links championship to Danny Willett, by the way, with Terrell Hatton, Five of his six career worldwide wins have come in either October or November. Hmm. So he gets hot very late in the year. His only win, I think not in those months, was the uh, one in Orlando at the Arnold Palmer two years ago. So Terrell Hatton, 45 to one. I'm with Matt on Maverick McNeely, another resident here at the Summit Club. He actually holds the purported course record, as our our guest Patrick uh, mentioned earlier, at 61. Started this fall season really hot. He was T2 at the Fortinet Championship in Napa Valley. Did miss had the him cut. there too? Yeah, the bridesmaid. Yeah, I didn't. I, I wanted to kind of skip to really say that fast, Brady, so <laughs> we didn't uh, have a reminder there. But he did miss the cut on the number last week. But he's still in good form. I think this is a better track for him, probably in TPC Summerlin. Last two, Taylor Gooch, seventy-five to one. T4 at Silverado four weeks ago. T11 last week at the Shriners. He was third for strokes gained around the green. Fourth on approach. Fourth on T to green. So, Gooch, really good with his irons. Really up there on all the strokes gained approach, which is one of those stats because you have no background on this course last week. I felt approach was something you have to look at. That, by default, is a, is a stat you should look at almost every week. And then the final one, I had to get like a, a soap opera play for Matt here. A nar- let's walk you down narrative street here. Harold Varner the third, 94 to one. He actually missed the event last week here at TPC Summerlin. And why, you ask? Because he and wife Amanda were welcoming HV4, Harold Aww, Liam Varner the fourth, into the world last week. Aww. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I must, I'm I a sucker for that. The
0: nappy factor. Yes. Yeah,
3: and he does actually have solid form. If you look at his last six sure. events, five of those events, he's been 16th or better, you know, like 16th, 11th, 12th. So he's been playing good golf. So this maybe could be a place where he breaks through.
0: Well, I know uh, a guest of ours on Long Shots, Ryan Brickley is good friends with Harold Varner III and said he's been out here in Las Vegas a lot, spending a lot of time with Butch Harmon as his instructor. And also, I looked at Harold Varner as well because he comes from the Carolinas and has a lot of experience at Quail Hollow, another Fazio design. He didn't end up on my card, but uh, I did take a look at him because of that Fazio connection. All right, my plays uh, just four futures for me this week, and uh, I basically did go off of the Fazio Correlation And Of course, Quail Hollow, where they hold the Wells Fargo Championship. We see that every year on tour. Of course, we saw Shadow Creek for the CJ Cup last year. And then just about a month ago or so, we had Caves Valley, where Patrick Cantley dueled with Bryson DeChambeau down the stretch. So I use those three courses. And who's had success there? And one is Rory McIlroy. And I
3: almost played Rory this week. I think he could be on one. He fit on a couple of my stat models uh, this week with Birdie or Better, especially.
0: Yeah, so Rory has a tremendous history at Quail Hollow, a Fazio design and then finished fourth at Caves Valley back in August uh, at the BMW Championship. He was 21st last year at Shadow Creek. Sam Burns at 26-1 to and really what our guest Patrick Ramsey had to say. One of the hottest players in the world right now just won the Sanderson Farms a couple weeks ago. He was eighth at Caves Valley and then had another nice finish last week at TPC Summerlin as well and I didn't know that but Patrick uh, offered up that information that he was out there hosting Sam Burns. The first time Burns has ever played the course so he does maybe have a little bit more knowledge of this place than everybody else in the field, except for, of course, McNeely and Morikawa, And then Hideki Matsuyama, of course, has never missed a cut at Quail Hollow, was fifth in the PGA Championship at Quail Hollow in 2017. He was 21st at Shadow Creek for the CJ Cup. And uh, Wes, you know, kind of going off of your theory about strokes gained approach, we know Matsuyama is a tremendous iron player. So we'll see if that takes him to the top of the leaderboard this week. And then uh, back to Quail Hollow. Hollow connection with Webb Simpson. He is a member at Quail Hollow, so if there's anybody in the field that should know Tom Fazio designs really well, it would be Webb Simpson. He was 12th at Caves Valley at the BMW Championship back in August. So Webb Simpson at 44 to one rounds out my card.
2: What do you think? Can we get a winner this week? I think we will. I'm actually really confident this week. I played Webb last week. I expect he'll play well. Sam Burns is in a groove right now. Sam Burns is really uh, on the upswing. So I'm very confident we have a winner. Webb, by the way,
3: I looked at the (laughs) strokes gained par fours, 350 to 400 yards because there's three of those kind of drivable par fours this week or or a short iron in. Webb Simpson is actually number two on that model right behind Maverick McNeely. So uh, that is something I think to pay attention to. That's a big number on Webb. I know he hadn't won in a while, but that might be getting him on a good drift here, Brady. Uh,
0: You you know, it was promising to see his finish at Caves Valley, again, another Fazio course. So that kind of put me over the top on Webb Simpson there. We'll see if we can get him home. Next week, we shift back to the short shots version of the podcast for the Zozo Championship taking place at Sherwood Country Club in Southern California. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Enjoy the CJ Cup, and let's cash some tickets. It's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: Mo Play.